I'm glad to be with you tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I do want to, before I begin, express my appreciation for all of you and for your interest in the truth and your love of the truth. Amen. It's wonderful to uh, receive things from God and be taught by God. Amen. And it's also wonderful to have somebody to share it with. That's right. Amen. So I have a, a deep appreciation for you. We welcome those who have joined us on live stream. We're going to continue in the Gospel of John tonight. This will be our 205th exposition. We're going to be in John 18, verses 3 through 6. Now, this is like the Holy Grail of Christ's experience. And there's a, you'll see that there's a lot, lot here to be seen. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Now, there's other the other gospels supply us considerably more information about this at this point in time, and I'm going to touch on those things tonight. They all are a harmonious account. Now, here that you see in this how God gave the revelation of things. Yeah. He gave it to this person, in this case to Matthew, he gave it to Mark, gave it to Luke, gave it to John. And then they supplied different parts that all fit together. That's God's manner. That's the same way he works in the church. He opens up this to this person, that to that person, this to another person. Then they all, in the assembly, put it together. That's why it's important when we say different things that we don't think they're competing with competing with one another. There are different facets of the same same truth. Amen. Now the other gospels do provide some additional details. I give you the account the text there where these details are found, but I'm going to go over some of these details tonight just so we'll be familiar with them. Matthew says, Judas came with a great multitude from the chief priests and scribes and elders. These weren't from the Roman government. We're going to find that some of them may have been from the Roman government, but they weren't sent by the government. They were sent by the chief priests, scribes, and elders. And Judas had given them a token, which John doesn't mention, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, take him and lead him away safely. Don't want to to miss that. It says in Mark 14, 44, lead him away safely. Mm -hmm. Then Mark also says, Judas said, Master, Master, and kissed him. Mm 
Then Jesus said, Luke reports what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Luke also reports when they, they, they which were with him saw what would follow. This is the first time they knew anything was going to follow. Who saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? Remember, sir, before they, he said, take a sword. They said, they said, we have two. And then it's recorded, Luke records, that Mark records that one of them that stood by drew a sword, we know it was Peter later, and smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Luke records, Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye, suffer ye thus far, and he touched his ear and healed him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then Mark adds, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with staves? Staves are clubs. Mm-hmm. Swords and staves to take me? Mm-hmm. Luke he adds this little ingredient. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour in the power of darkness. Then Luke adds in verse 22 of chapter 22, 54. Then they took, they took him and led him and brought him to the priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. Mark adds that at this time they all forsook him and fled. Then Mark adds, he's the only one that mentions this, there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled away from them naked. That's all it says. And throughout history, we don't know if this is true or not, but it's been assumed that this was John Mark. Interesting that that's thrown in there, though, isn't it? <laughs> From one point of view, it was like kind of chaotic. Yeah. Uh-huh. From another point of view, it was very well ordered. Yeah. Now, John said, begins in our text, that he, uh, he mentions a band of men. John is the only one that mentions a band of men. Some say this is a Roman cohort, which is a section of men, and some say it was as high as 6,000 people. That's hard to believe, but that's that's what some say. Matthew and Mark both say a great multitude. Mm -hmm. Remember, they they come to arrest one man. A great multitude with swords and staves. Luke reads, it was a multitude uh, some of them are Roman soldiers, as I mentioned. They weren't sent by the Roman government. They were sent by the chief priests and Pharisees and elders. Now, we know that um, these men did consort with the Roman officials. They're the ones that asked that, Jesus, that the legs be broken of those who were crucified because it was a day of preparation, that is, it was the day before the Sabbath day, and that the bodies would not remain on the cross for the Sabbath day. That would Think how hypocritical this was. They crucify the Lord Jesus Christ, and they want to make sure he's not 
still on the cross on the Sabbath day because you weren't to set the law said don't let someone hang on a tree over the Sabbath day they besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and then that they be taken away the legs broken because then they couldn't support themselves when they die quicker they'd also they also requested that the, the government set some soldiers at the tomb I'm right. pointing out here that they did mm-hmm. kind of hobnob with the government yeah. set some uh, watch by the tomb lest they thought some of the disciples would come and steal his body and then report that he raised from the dead yeah. how's that for subtlety now John 18, 1 begins when Jesus had spoken these words. The words were the prayer he prayed for the disciples. But John in his record, then he goes strictly from that prayer to the arrest. He doesn't report the Gethsemane prayer at all. Matthew and Luke record that prayer. Matthew says that at this time when John says after these words and then he said Judas came then in between there this, yeah. that's what this happened here they right. said he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy yeah. other versions say and deeply distressed grieved and agitated the weight of this hour has been underestimated I'm going to mention this later but the reason I'm going over these details is because it's my persuasion that the death of Christ has been understated the significance has been understated And there's too common and a dumbed-down view of the death of Christ that's extant in the modern church. That's why I'm going over these details. Then Luke records that he saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Now, I remember at this point, the disciples, had they weren't reconciled to the fact that he was going to die. They... They were reconciled to that. <clears throat> Even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. <clears throat> Luke reports, and when he was at the place, he said to them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. Uh-huh. Why did he say that? Later he's going to say that this was an hour when Satan was dominant. That's right. yep. See? So where he couldn't tempt the disciples were there with Jesus on this night he could tempt them because this was his hour well it's arresting to consider I'll tell you then Luke reports he went a little farther fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Luke reports, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast. 
and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. <clears throat> now, it wasn't because he was uh, drawing back from dying or from the suffering and beating and so forth. It was that, that's not what he was drawing back from because the two thieves were with him. They went through that, too. It's just a divine abandonment. That's, that's what he's thinking about. Now, it was at this time <coughs> when he was praying and under this great stress that there are, Luke reports, there appeared an angel unto him. The angel appeared to him, strengthening him, because this, had, this distress had, had weakened him. Now, what all was involved in that weakness, I'm not prepared to say. I, I don't doubt that there was some physical weakness, but there was there was some weakness that only someone from heaven could strengthen. That's, amen. That's right. Now it says, Luke reports that being in an agony, oh, what a word, what a word. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here. Being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. All right, that, this is non-human. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. This is not what men do. Yeah. When they're in an agony, they tend to pray less, not more. See, this is the Son of God. Being in an agony, severe distress... He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Yeah. His physical constitution couldn't hold up under yeah. this yeah. under this stress. What a statement. Did he sweat blood? Well, it fell to the ground as great drops of blood. So I'm thinking that's how the sweat came out, as his blood. Well, he get, this is the first time he goes back and he finds his disciples asleep. He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, Matthew reports, and saith to Peter. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't say this to all. Let me send it to the chief one. Mm -hmm. As though Peter should have stopped this from happening. He saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? That's about apparently how long he spent yeah. in his agony. Watch and pray that ye enter not into, into temptation. Mm -hmm. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. This is not the time to be sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Then Matthew reports, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, I will be done. Yes. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Then Matthew reports he he left them and went again and prayed again the third time, saying the same words. Yeah. <laughs> so see you can pray the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Oh, same words over. So this is three times he prayed these same words again. Then Luke reports, Then he cometh he to, the, to the disciples and says, Sleep on now, take your rest, 
Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let's be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. See, John, he didn't give any of these details. Then Luke as Luke twenty two forty five, when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, sorrow wears you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't thought about it, mm-hmm. think about yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Sorrow is fatiguing. That's right. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation like the tempter's loose. This is no time to be sleeping. Now, as I mentioned, I provided these details because I become increasingly persuaded that the death of Christ is presented too casually in our day and for some time. Somehow people have surmised that because this was de- determined by God, and because God, Jesus knew it was going to happen, he could kind of go through it automatically, but that's, that's a false impression. That's, right. Amen. that's not true. Obedience is not easy. That's right. yes. If it was easy there wouldn't be so many people that are disobedient. Uh-huh. Yeah. But obedience, and this was a supreme example of obedience. This is a supreme example yes. of the most difficult thing to obey was what Jesus had to obey. This is the most difficult thing to obey. Yes. Yeah. And instead of running from it, shrinking back from it, mm-hmm. he prayed that he would not do that. Amen. So that's what you do. That's what you need to do. Me, I need to do. When there's something that God demands of us in Scripture and it appears a little difficult, you want to pray earnestly that you will not draw back from what God says. If he says, be ye holy, you don't draw back from that. You follow the example of the Lord Jesus. Now also, there are some... uh, events immediately preceding this. Verse 4 of our text says, Jesus knowing all things and what should come upon him. Knowing all things and what should come upon him. Now observe with care how this statement is made. John does not say knowing what he should do. As in what he said knowing what God commanded him to do. That's that's not what he said. He approached this hour during his ministry with that in mind, knowing this commandment that I received, but that's not what he does does here. He rather says, Jesus knew all things that should come upon him. As for Jesus himself, there were things he would do but there were also some things that would come upon him. That's what constrained this heart-wrenching prayer. Wasn't what he was going to go through is what was going to come upon him. 
You notice that picture there that I posted? That's a, that's a picture, a historical picture of Jesus praying in Gethsemane. <laughs> well, that's a really an inaccurate picture. That's an example of Roman Catholic art. It's not a proper depiction at all. What was going to happen? The iniquity of us all was going to be laid upon him or come upon him. He himself would be made a curse. That was going to come upon him. He was going to be made to be sin. That was going to come upon him. He would actually experience the wrath of God being focused on him so that it wouldn't have to be focused on us. He whose goings forth were from everlasting would taste of death for every man. Not mortal death Uh because every man has to taste of that anyway. But he tasted the death that was without God. He tasted of what it means, and he tasted the experience mm-hmm. yeah. of being without God. Yes. He tasted the experience of not having access to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He tasted the experience of being without God. Being forsaken by him. Separated from him. He would feel the effects of being totally without God. I mean, there's no way you can estimate what this was like. But that's why why he, great sorrow and distress. (laughs) He knew this was, he knew this was coming. He knew this is why he came into the world, to absorb the divine shock against sin. So I maintain that the involvement of Christ's death has dawned on very, very, very few people. Just a measure of it. To the extent that a person actually sees this to some extent, there will be no hesitation to give yourself to Christ. There will be no hesitation to become all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. People who don't pay this price haven't seen this. This is what they haven't seen, no matter what they say. Jesus said, uh, Paul said, Yea, doubtless, I, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. How was he able to see that? He saw this that we're talking about. He saw it. So he had, goes on the initiative. Whom do you seek? Yes, this it's just a multitude, remember. This is a this is not a handful of people, it's a multitude. Some people said as high as six thousand. That's you know kind of hard to believe, but that's what people say. In other words, and say, who is it that you want? 
or who are you looking for? Now, this is just a thought of mine. It could very well be that after this agony and prayer, he might not have looked like he did before. Because apparently none of these people recognized him. So I wouldn't doubt that that was the case. It's just a, just a thought. I wouldn't uh, bind that on anybody. Who are you looking for? Mm-hmm. This is not like a token of bravery. Yeah. This is the boldness of his determination. He's going to press them out. Let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. Even though he knew what was coming upon him. This was, is going to initiate that yeah. process. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. See, that's how he was known among the people. Uh Jesus of Nazareth. Even the demons knew him by this title, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh And Jesus, of course, is the Greek form of Joshua. And there was another Jesus whose surname is Justice. There were other people named Jesus. But none of them were in Nazareth. Yeah, that's right. I think this is why he was from Nazareth. He gained his uniqueness because he was Jesus from Nazareth. There wasn't anyone else. There wasn't anyone else named Jesus from Nazareth. So see, he gained his his distinction that way. Gave him a certain distinction. He said, "I'm he." These are the only enemies Jesus ever did or ever will submit to. And the only reason he submitted to it is because it was God's will. Amen. That's right. He didn't submit to those enemies because he loved me. He submitted to these enemies because he was obeying God. There's a difference in this, in thinking this way. If you think Jesus died and and you limit yourself to thinking about he died for me, and you limit yourself to that, You've limited what you understand about the death of Christ. Mm-hmm. See? That's what we're seeing in this text. And then it says Judas was with them. At this point, <laughs> at this point, the other 11 disciples were with Jesus, and Judas was with the enemy. So it looks like this was the point at which they finally knew who Judas was. When he left the, left the Last Supper, they didn't... <laughs> They didn't know who he was, but now, now, whoever's on the enemy's side eventually sides with the enemy openly and apparently. So now they knew. Judas is with the enemy. Judas had gone to the chief priests and said to them, what will you give me? I will deliver him to you. They covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Matthew records. Mark said, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought how how he might conveniently betray him. Luke says, And they were glad and covenanted to give money, and he promised and sought opportunity to betray unto them in the absence of the multitude. See, that had to be like a... It couldn't be in public. All of this was calculated by heaven 
to conceal the fact that God was orchestrating this whole event. But you would never have concluded that by just what was happening. As soon as he had said this unto them, I am he. As soon as he said that, they went backward and fell to the ground. Other versions said they drew back and fell to the ground, or they stepped back and fell to the ground, they shrank back and fell to the ground. God's Word Bible says they backed away and fell to the ground. John's the only writer that records this. The other, the other Gospels don't record this. At this point, Peter drew his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus. At this point, Mark records, Are ye come out against, as against a thief? With swords and staves to take me, I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not, but that the scriptures yeah. must be fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> the reason they didn't take him, Jesus said, was because the scriptures had to be fulfilled. From the vantage point, we also see that there are some things that took place that the scriptures might be fulfilled. For instance, he was crucified between two thieves that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was crucified on a wooden cross that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He was hanging on a tree. This is also why God forsook him that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Luke records, Then said Jesus unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out against, as against a thief with swords and staves. I was with you daily in the temple. Ye stretched forth no hands against me. Why not? He was engaged in doing the will of God. Matthew writes, In the same hour Jesus said to the multitudes, are you come out against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold of me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now frequently the Spirit accents the frustration realized by Christ's enemies when they couldn't they couldn't take hold of them. And it mentions it quite a few times. The reason they couldn't lay hold of him yeah. was because, as John says in three different places, his time had not yet come. That's, right. That's why they couldn't lay hold yeah. of him. When the time came, yeah. then they could lay hold. See, this should build confidence in you. Adverse circumstances can't dominate you unless there's a time mm-hmm. that they God has set that they can. Yeah. The only time Paul was beaten or stoned or whipped or whatever was that it was time yeah. that that would be done. Yes. Yeah. But in and God, in that, in all the sufferings of Paul, 
it showed you that sufferings can't separate you from God. They can bring distress like it did with Jesus. They can bring suffering. They can bring sorrow. But they can't separate you from the love of God. They can't do it. This is your hour. (laughs) Yep. There is an hour when God allows the powers of darkness to work. There was an hour or a period of time when Pharaoh could oppress the people of God. That hour lasted 400 years. Yes, Brother Justin. This was a witness. This was a witness against them that he said, I am he, and they all fell backwards. That's right. In other words, if he really wanted to escape that, that was a witness to show that he could That's have. right. But he offered himself up. He That's allowed himself to be That's captured. right. You see, they couldn't receive it. <laughs> yeah. We see it. That's right. They didn't see it. There's such an hour as this. There's an hour when the prophets can be killed. Mm -hmm. There's a time when an unholy nation and a prideful king like Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar can take the people of God captive. There's an hour. An hour means it's a limited. Mm -hmm. That hour was 70 years. Israel's Egyptian bonds is 400 years, but it it was an hour. It had a beginning point and an ending point. There was a time when Satan could deliver a thorn to the Apostle Paul that would give him trouble all his life. God sent it. Satan delivered it. All right, you learn from this. Satan does the bad stuff that God determines. (laughs) Uh He's he's God's servant for punishment and chastisement and judgment. You see that he he carries that out. Jesus doesn't carry that stuff out. He's ordained to be a safe prince and a savior. But God uses Satan. Mm -hmm. So if you live in Satan's camp, if you forsake the forsake the faith. Satan gets the dominance. That's right. The only way you escape mm-hmm. from Satan's dominance is to flee for refuge to him. Yes. That's the only way. Amen. But Satan's working for God. This is your hour. This is the time, he said, of the power of darkness, mm-hmm. of the authority of darkness, when darkness rules the dominion of darkness. Satan and his host were the ones that carried this this out. And when they're carrying it out, they marshal the chief priests, they marshal the Pharisees, they marshal the scribes, they marshal the lawyers. They reached over and got Pilate, and they reached over and got Herod, see? The powers of darkness gathered Mm -hmm. all these people, because during this period of time, Mm -hmm. God took the restraint off Now, if you're in Christ, you dread this ever happening to you. You fear God and you dread that he could take the protection off of you. There are some people, like Ananias and Sapphira, they died. 
because they lied. There's several incidents, incidents in this inscription. What I'm pointing out is, and when Herod, when Herod gave a tremendous oration to the people, he said it's the voice of a god. <laughs> he was struck dead yeah. by an angel. And I gather that the angel marshaled Satan to actually execute the the deed. That's that's an opinion of mine. <clears throat> Satan asked to have Job after God told him. First, first of all, he, he told God he couldn't. Yeah. He went, so, God, so Satan, God gave Satan yeah. an hour, yeah, right. so to speak. He gave him an hour. Look what he did. Yeah. Look what he did. And that just bing, 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 everything, one thing after another happened. Mm -hmm. That's what Satan does when he has leave. That's right. He doesn't just do one little thing. He worked havoc during that period of time. Then the time came to an end, and he was called off. He couldn't. He couldn't take Job's life. If you have no other reason to be faithful than this, that God chastens those who don't obey Him, and Satan has a part in that chastening. He loves doing it. But the Holy Spirit's not the one that chastens. Yeah, he's, not the, by the, he's not the one that carries it out. And Jesus doesn't carry it out. Satan is the ministry of evil, and God uses him for these purposes. Yes? Peter in Corinth that Paul said that they should pray to deliver over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That's right, yeah. Yeah, for the destruction of the flesh. That's right. <laughs> Can everybody see that? Yeah, yeah. So you've been delivered. You've been in Christ. You're delivered from the power of Satan. That's right. But you have to stay in the territory where God puts you. Yeah, yeah. Raises you up and sits you in heavenly places. You have to stay there. You yeah. can't be wandering around and meandering around someplace else. Yeah. See? This is the part I don't think that the majority of Christians know this. Because it seems to me like they they experiment too much with life. They it seems to me they get too close to Satan's domain, thinking that the Christian life is kind of like automation. That like you that you're insulated from these. You're insulated from trouble. You're not insulated from trouble. How would you explain that to the holy prophets? How would you explain that idea to them? Or to Stephen, how would you explain it to him? You're not, it's not a matter of you being insulated to Satan just can't do anything. Him not being able to do anything depends on whether you got the armor of God on or not, whether you're using the spiritual weaponry or not, whether you're living by faith or not, whether you're walking in the Spirit or not, and if you are, he's impotent in those areas. Satan can't do anything in those areas. Yeah, the mighty ministry of Paul. Who, who do you think raised all those storms and caused the ships to wreck and all that? Yeah. This is Satan trying to take Paul out, but he, he, yeah. he couldn't do it. Why? Because it was just impossible? No, it was because 
Paul was living by faith. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Lest anyone imagine that God does not do such things. You remember that Paul said, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that all might be damned who received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the love of the truth is sent out there. It's meant to be received. If it's not received, speaking vulgarly, the Lord whistles for the devil. Mm -hmm. Send one of your false teachers down there. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Praise and thank God for deliverance from the power of darkness, which is declared in Colossians one thirteen, And for the whole armor of God that keeps you protected. That's right. And for the Holy Spirit that will direct you into areas where Satan can't work. Well, I praise God for the whole whole thing. This whole event is uh, Mm -hmm. very instructive. Mm -hmm. Any of you have anything you'd like to add tonight? Mm -hmm. Yes, Brother Marty. I've never heard a satisfactory explanation of Peter uh, cutting off Malchus's ear. And I, I'm persuaded um, that was far from a mistake. It was a very, very accurate cut. And I, my belief is that Jesus, even at his time here where he's about to be taken, is in control. And he's sending a message to the Pharisees and all the people that have come to get him, the elders, that you still don't hear me. That's why the ear was taken. And he healed it. Because now is not the time when the year is going to be circumcised. It, that'll come later. But it's, it's a message that Jesus was still uh, letting them know just how far off they were. <coughs> Even though he couldn't speak anymore as he had before he went up to the Mount of Olives, he's telling everybody that these people just don't hear me. Even now. Yeah, well, when Jesus was with them, they heard him. But they couldn't correlate it with this event here. So Peter, you can't fault Peter too much. No, I believe he's intentional. Yeah. yeah, but he he didn't understand because what enables us to understand now he didn't have. Yeah, no, that's right. It's he didn't have. In a, in a, in a and and he he was sensitive enough so they just took a look. And he and after Jesus said this, he didn't he didn't flay anybody else with his sword. Right. Yeah, he stu- yeah. But that after Pentecost, he didn't. You right. right. He didn't do anything like this then. Yeah, that's right. He didn't see this clearly. This wasn't seen clearly by any of the disciples. This at this time, yeah. this was all a mystery. And even after he rose from the dead, they still hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. But then he made sure the next forty days that they saw it. and when they did then that ended this kind of this kind of reaction you know these four books the the gospels they're um, on the surface men 
men will say, well, well, but there are so many contradictions. But what they don't understand yeah. is that you're seeing four different pieces yes, exactly. of, of a puzzle. Yes, and when exactly. you put it together and, and, and you have an understanding, see, this is the thing. It's written in such a way that if you don't understand it, you'll never be able to put it together. That's right. And, but they complement one another and they fill in the gaps and... And, and when you when you understand them all, it, it gives you a, a representation. That's right. This is what Jesus is like. This is what he went through. This is what you know. It his from his birth to his death. It's it, we have an accurate testimony, not by one man, no. by many. That's right. And so you know, it, it's been said by, by by men that have searched this stuff out. There is no other book like the Bible, it's impossible yeah. that it could be wrong. That's right. Because of the way it's written, the accounts from way back, yeah. and, and, and and how men have, have it, it, anyway, I read this little thing about this attorney that went through and he proved, you know, the, but, but he did it through just logic. It's just impossible that these accounts, you know, do, do, anyway, I'm not going to go into that, but, but I appreciate that, that men have given, some men have given their life to this book yeah. in, in a way to where they can defend what's in it. And, yeah. and they compare one scripture to another. See, other manuscripts, they, everything gets all, you yeah. leave it to men, all see, of a sudden they don't compare, they don't match up. But see, this is a book that does. See, some factors that people that resolve by logic, some yeah. factors they don't consider yeah. is Satan. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Angels, yeah. demons, yeah. principalities and powers. See, their logic can't bring those in That's right. because they're beyond the uh -huh. circumference of Amen. human understanding. So yes. when you try and prove the legitimacy of the Bible mm -hmm. by human reasoning, yeah. you can't do it. Yeah. Because there's more involved than that text. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you see it, see, the secret is being able to put it together. Yeah, yeah that's the secret. The understanding is putting it together. Yeah, yeah. When you're able to put it, the text together and then match it with your, and your experience mm -hmm. matches with it too, mm -hmm. then you got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, but said. I've heard this preached before, and I thought it was very relevant, in that the actions and reactions of the disciples on the night in which Christ was betrayed was because of the scripture that says that God will always make a way of escape. Mm -hmm. And based on who they were and how they were and how much of the story they could face, they stayed in the scenario that long. That's right. And then they, they left. So that That's right. See, the, uh, the way of escape now is made by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's it. He's the one who makes the way of escape. And before then, that's why it looked like they blundered, you know. But it wasn't that they just blundered. It's not that simplistic. They didn't have access to what we have access to. Because it, none of that was given until Jesus was exalted. Yeah, right. Then the resources we have, that's when that's when that happened. Yeah. And uh, no other no other man could could bear up underneath this much strain. I mean, here he was. He knew he was going to be cut off from God. He knew 
that he was going to bear the sins of the world. And yet, so all this other peripheral stuff that, that would have been enough to, to collapse a normal man, just the fact that he was betrayed and he was handed over to, and he was beaten and all this, that was the peripheral stuff. The, the main thing that Jesus is it, when, in the garden that he's concerned with is being separated from That's his right. father. And, 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 and this was even yet to come before this. So it, it may have seemed like things are out of control, but he had he had everything in perfect control. Yeah, see, the uniqueness wasn't the beating. Everybody that they yeah, had was yeah. beaten. Yeah. These other two thieves, they weren't like sitting on couches. Mm-hmm. So that, that was common. Yeah. But what he experienced, he's yeah. the only person that these things came on. That's right, that's right. They would all have come on us mm-hmm. if they didn't come on him. Yes, yes. And that's that was the thing that yes. distressed him. Mm-hmm. You take, like, you take David, who lived in an introductory stage, didn't have access to what we have access to, but he was more afraid of God leaving him yeah. than of his enemies conquering that's him. That's right, yeah. He had like a little sense yes. of this. So he asked God to look at look at my enemies. You first, he was a warrior. Mm-hmm. David was a mighty warrior. But he'd ask God, some enemies, he'd ask God, you know, to yeah. stop them. Mm-hmm. Amen. Jesus didn't ask, didn't have to ask God to stop anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. In fact, he said, I'm going to, I follow your will. This is what you yeah. want. This is what I'll do. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, a lot to think about. Yes. Amen.